Well, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, turn with me this morning to Matthew chapter 1 as well as Luke chapter 1. Not long ago, a Sunday school was putting on a Christmas pageant which included the story of Mary and Joseph as they were arriving at the, at the inn. And one boy, they were getting to the point where they were passing out assignments, and one boy desperately wanted to be Joseph. But when the assignments were handed out, he received the, the role of the innkeeper. Well, he wasn't real happy with that, and so um, all throughout those rehearsals, this, this little boy tried to figure out a way to get back at that innkeeper. He didn't do anything during the rehearsals, but he was preparing to do something come the time of the actual production. Well, the day of the production arrived, there was finally his scene. So he takes his place, Mary and Joseph walk across the stage. They knock on the door, and that innkeeper opens up the door. And, and he was a little gruff and had a little bit of attitude, and he goes, what do you want? And, the, and Joseph then goes, we're, we're looking for a place to stay tonight. And, and the innkeeper threw that door open, and he said, come on in. The fi- whatever room you can find is yours tonight. Well, Joseph was a little startled with that. He didn't know how to respond, and so he kind of paused for a moment, and then he kind of peeked his head in the door, past the innkeeper, and looked around, and and he said to Mary, no wife of mine is going to stay in this dump of a place. Let's go to the barn. (laughs) Well, this morning, we are continuing our Christmas sermon series entitled, Jesus the light of the world. Right after Isaiah declared how dark the world was, he prophesied of the dawning of a new day. In Isaiah 9, 6, we read, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. For 700 years, the people lived in great anticipation of that day when the Lord Jesus Christ would come and dwell among us. Then on that fateful night in the city of Bethlehem, the angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds while they were out tending their flock and declared that the Savior of the world, Christ the Lord, had been born. That night, sky lit up with a multitude of angels declaring glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Our title this morning is God's Chosen Team, Mary and Joseph. When you think about being chosen to be on the team that they were chosen to be on, how many of you would sign up for that? Pretty, Pretty remarkable what they were tasked with. Our message point this morning is this. Mary and Joseph were transformed by the angel's announcement. The angel Gabriel is going to proclaim to Mary that nothing is impossible with God. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that nothing is impossible with God? If you're not sure, read through God's Word and you're going to see impossible story after impossible story after impossible story come to fruition. Notice our first point this morning is this, Mary believed the impossible. In verse 26 of Luke chapter 1, we read, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee 
named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, whom was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Why did the Lord choose Mary? Mary was just a young teenage girl. How in the world could a teenager be entrusted with such an important responsibility? I think about my two amazing college kids. Even though I don't remind them anymore to do their chores or their homework or to wash their clothes or to brush their teeth or to take out the trash, I still have to remind them to do things. I have to remind them to do grown-up things, hopefully preparing them for adulthood. I wonder if any of our kids could have handled the responsibility given to both Mary and Joseph. You know, within our reading, both in Matthew and Luke, we get an, a clear idea of the kind of character that both of these young people have. The first character trait of Mary is we see her devotion. In verse 28, we read, And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Mary was favored by God. That one word tells us so much about her character. She was chosen to be the mother of God in the flesh. A couple years ago, I was reading through one of our Advent devotions. And, and, and the question was posed, why are we not more in awe of the supernatural events surrounding the Christmas story? And, and then it kind of went on to talk about when you grow up knowing nothing else but the Christmas story, it sometimes becomes white noise. Every single one of us in this room have heard the story of Mary and Joseph dozens upon dozens of times, probably by many different preachers. It is great that we know the story but how often do we truly reflect upon the significance of God taking on flesh and dwelling amongst us? That one event changed the course of human history for every single one of us in this room and every single one of the people outside the doors of this church. Last Wednesday morning, I was meeting with our prayer team. And, and someone had, had, had been talking to someone, and, and the question was posed. If someone 
that had never heard about Christmas were to show up today, would they know what Christmas is really about? If they showed up in your home, would they know what Christmas was about? If they showed up in, in, in the vast majority of our churches today, would they know what Christmas is about? If they were to walk the, the, the streets where our, our malls are today and our department stores, would they know what Christmas is about? Christmas really has become more about consumerism than it has about Jesus. Christmas is about Jesus, about when he came and took on flesh. Mary and Joseph were favored indeed. To have played the parts they played in human history would have been beyond weighty. In Luke one twenty eight, Mary would be promised of God's presence. We read, the Lord is with you, is what the angel Gabriel declared. Elizabeth will declare to Mary in Luke one forty two that she is blessed among women. Again, Mary was just a teenager. Somewhere between the ages of 13 and 16 is what most people predict or, or, or say. She was such a young girl, but she was given what many of us would consider an impossible assignment. But we know that nothing is impossible with our God, don't we? Nothing would be impossible for Mary. Nothing would be impossible for Joseph. Nothing is impossible with God. Next, we read how Mary responded to the divine encounter. We see that she was a little bit distressed, is what Scripture says. She was troubled. In verse 29, she was greatly troubled at the same. I think that would have been a little bit of an understatement, don't you? It was one thing for Zechariah, we looked at him a couple weeks ago, it was one thing for Zechariah to have had the encounter that he did with the angel Gabriel whenever he went into the temple. Okay, he was a priest of the Lord. It, if anybody's going to have an encounter with the Lord, it would be the priest of the Lord, right? He was a righteous man is what we're told in Scripture. He was an old man, advanced in years, but Mary... She was a young girl who clearly had a hard time processing everything that was laid out to her on that day. But what Gabriel does is he puts her at ease. In verse 30, we read, And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Do you think that was enough to, to calm her nerves? Would that be enough for you to have heard those words and be, okay, I'm good? Remember, this is the angel Gabriel who declared to Zechariah that he stands in the very presence of God. Isaiah, when he had a similar encounter with the Lord, cried out, woe is me. I think her distress was an understatement. The angel tells her, though, that she will, uh, next, that she will become pregnant and bear a son. For a teenager who had never known a man, that was a big statement. That'd be a big statement for anybody to have heard. So we see next her dilemma. In verse 34, And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? You know, in, in, in our two encounters with, with those that had um, encounters with the angel Gabriel, we see two different responses. Zechariah responded like this in Luke chapter 1. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? 
for I'm an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. Well, for Zechariah asking that question, do you remember what happened to him, what the consequences of him questioning the, the Lord's will for his life and the Lord's plan for his life? He became silent, didn't he? He was unable to speak for nine months. That seems, it seems like a logical question to ask, but here's the difference between the two. Zechariah was overwhelmed with doubt. And we know this because he wanted a sign from the Lord. He wanted the Lord to show him via a sign that he indeed was going to have a child at his age. Especially whenever his wife was advanced in years and she was barren all of her life. His encounter with the angel Gabriel should have been a sign enough. Mary, on the other hand, what she is saying to Gabriel is, I believe. But how will this be since I have never known a man? What Mary does is she reverts to science, doesn't she? She reverts to biology. She knew about the birds and the bees. She knew it was impossible for her to be with the child. But Gabriel goes on to explain the how to her. The Holy Spirit will come upon you is what he says. The virgin birth and the resurrection of Christ are the two greatest miracles in all of God's word. And we know this to be true. Next, we see Mary's declaration at this announcement. She, we read in verses 37 and 38, For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Upon hearing the angel Gabriel affirm to her that there is nothing impossible with God, Mary submits to the will of God. Let it be to me according to your word is what she said. Mary was resolute in her obedience, wasn't she? She knew the ridicule, ridicule that awaited her. She knew that she was going to be rejected. She was going to be rejected by those in her community. She was going to be rejected by her parents. She was even going to be rejected by the man that she was betrothed to, the man that she was uh, engaged to be married to, Joseph. She knew all of this, yet she still declared obediently, let it be to me according to your word. What promise has the Lord given to you? What is that nothing is impossible with God promise that you have been given that you need to submit to this morning? Let me encourage you to claim that truth and respond by being obedient to what the Lord is calling you to do. Now, let us look at how Joseph responded. So we see here Joseph affirmed the impossible. In verses 18 um, of Matthew chapter 1, we read, Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, 
but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. You know, I have a lot of heroes in the Bible, as I know that you do, but Joseph ranks right up there near the top. It is one thing to have the angel Gabriel appear on the front end of a supernatural conception and to tell you that you are going to be with a child like Mary and Zechariah did. But think about Joseph for just a moment. He didn't have that privilege, did he? As we read in verses 18 and 19, the angel Gabriel did not appear to Joseph until after he discovered that Mary was already pregnant. If you were placed in that situation, what would be said of you? Would you have stayed with Mary? Would you have believed the words that Mary had shared with you? You know, luckily, Joseph was in a league as a man that most of us in this room as men could only dream of. Notice Joseph's reputation. In verse 19, we read that Joseph was a just man. Translated, he was a devout man of God who obeyed the law of God. He obeyed the law, which means he knew the law, right? Being that Mary was betrothed to him, he had every right to divorce her. The law also made it clear that he could publicly shame her if he wanted to. And the law also made it clear that he could have taken Mary outside the city gates to be stoned to death. That's what the law said could happen to someone in Mary's situation. But that's not what Joseph did at all. He simply resolved to divorce her quietly. He loved Mary, and he respected Mary too much to make a spectacle out of her. He would be the perfect man to raise the Son of God. Notice Joseph's reaction next. In verses 20 through 21 again we read, But as he considered these sayings, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The angel of the Lord appears to Joseph in a dream, and we can see by his reaction that he was a man that was in turmoil. In fact, we, we read that it said, as he considered these things. This word consider in our passage this morning carries with it a great weightiness. It, it could also mean that he was angry or he was trying to passionately reason and wrap his mind around all that was going on. His future bride is pregnant, and it's not his kid. When he found out, I'm sure he went to bed angry and hurt and broken. He may have went to bed angry, but he certainly would not wake up that way. The angel of the Lord in these two verses that we just looked at affirms five different things to Joseph. The first is this. He tells Joseph that it was God's will for him to marry Mary. Mary's pregnancy was supernatural. The angel affirms that the baby will be a son and his name will be Jesus. And with the fifth assurance we read, he will save his people from their sins. That is the revelation that people have been waiting for for thousands of years. 
for thousands of years since the promise was made to Adam and Eve in the garden that there was going to be a Savior to come. People had waited and anticipated the day that the Savior would come to forgive people of their sins. Think about the enormous weight that Joseph was given. Now instead of him living in shame because of Mary's pregnancy, he would be living with the special revelation of God that nobody is going to believe. Just like Mary, they didn't believe. Joseph, they wouldn't believe either. His parents were not going to believe him. His friends were not going to believe him. Those in the city of Nazareth would not believe him. But notice how Joseph responds. When Joseph awakes from his dream, he does as the Lord instructs him. He obeys the Lord. You and I, we need to pay attention to the word of God. We need to pay attention to what the Lord is calling us to. Even if it may seem strange at the time. Even if it doesn't make sense. Even if it makes us uncomfortable or forces us out of our comfort zone. Even if we're afraid of how other people might respond, we need to obey the Lord. Joseph would take Mary as his wife. No more questions would be asked. Mary's integrity is intact, and Joseph accepts his responsibility to be the earthly father of God in the flesh. Folks, both of our characters within our Christmas story this morning were just they were righteous, they were highly favored, and they were chosen. And both of them said yes to the Lord, even though they did not fully understand the magnitude of what they were being called to. What I love about Mary and Joseph is they both reflected the glory of the Lord. They both allowed themselves to be the light of the Lord, bearing the light of the world, Every single day, you and I are given direction from the Lord. We are instructed through the guidance of the Holy Spirit to go and do and to go and be. What is it that the Lord is calling you to this morning? What is it that he is calling you to respond to this morning? Maybe it's salvation. I Man, I can't think of a better day to surrender your life over to the Lord Jesus Christ than on Christmas Eve. December the 24th, 2023. Can't think of a better day to do that. If you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want to invite you to come this morning and make the greatest decision that you could ever make, and that is to surrender your life over to Jesus and confess with your mouth that Jesus indeed is Lord and Savior who came and dwelt among us and died for us and rose to life again three days later, proven that he is the son of God. If you've never done that this morning, I want to invite you to come and make the greatest decision that you could ever make. And I hope you know this. And I believe that all of us do. Jesus indeed is the God of the impossible. Whatever it is that you're facing this morning, know that God can give you victory over it. Whatever sickness that you are struggling with, whatever heartache that you're struggling with this morning, Give it over to Jesus and know that he's got whatever you're going through. 
and he will carry you through whatever you are going through. If you're here this morning again and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want to be standing here at the front. I'd love to share with you more about how you can enter into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You may be here this morning and you simply need prayer. I'd love to pray with you or you may need to go to somebody in this room and ask them to pray for you. Or you may need to go to somebody in this room and you recognize that they need prayer. You may need to go to them during this time of invitation and to pray for them specifically. Let's stand together. I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer, and if there's a decision you need to make, I want to invite you to come. Let's pray together. Father God, we come before you this morning. Father, just recognizing that you indeed, Father, are why we are here this morning, why we celebrate Christmas. We celebrate it, Father, because it was at Christmas that you came and invaded time. You dwelt among us. You lived a perfect life. You died a sinner's death. Not because you were a sinner, but because you bore upon yourself our sins. You shed your blood to provide a covering for those sins. And you rose to life three days after being placed in that borrowed tomb. And we have come together today, this morning, to celebrate your life, your birth, your death, and your resurrection. Because it's through you that we're able to gain access to God the Father. I pray this morning that there is someone here that has never entered into a relationship with you, that they've never repented of their sins and never have confess with their mouth that Jesus indeed is Lord and Savior and that you conquered death. I pray that today will be the day that they do that. Father, during this time of invitation, we ask that you move. First, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. As we sing together, if there's a decision you need to make, I want to invite you to come. You can.